Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. We're so glad you've chosen to join us here live as we are still the church scattered all over uh, our city. Uh, I'm Garland. I'm one of the pastors here. And in case you haven't noticed, uh, we're about to have tens of thousands of college students coming into, moving into our city. And uh, as a church, uh, we, we desire and we pray towards seeing a movement of the gospel of Jesus on this campus of the U of A in our city through these college students. And uh, as it's going to be a little bit different of a semester, obviously, because of COVID, uh, our college team has been working really hard and trying to figure out what it looks like to produce and release college students to, to see that movement happen this year. And so if you, if you know a college student, if you're watching this and you are a college student, the best way to get information to get connected is just to go follow us on our Instagram and all the information is going to be sent to you there. We, we pray for big things to happen on the U of A campus through our church right here that Jesus would raise up the next generation of people who love him and want to see his name made famous in this world. And we, we, we pray to that end. We hope you would join us in that prayer as the college students are moving back in. And uh, hey, I know that as we are the church scattered right now, we've had a lot of opportunity to lament the situation that we find ourselves in with coronavirus and COVID. And while, while that's needed and while that's important and while I certainly have done that, uh, can, I just, can I just maybe adjust, this is maybe personal just for me, but adjust our posture that, that we have an incredible opportunity right now. And maybe it's that we're in this church series looking at how the early church was able to, through individuals and through house churches and through small groups, be able to take the message of Jesus as king out into the broader Roman world. Like as we were able to see that in the book of Acts, I've been inspired by that example. And here's, here's my hope and my prayer for us in this season. Yes, there's, we need to lament, and yes, we're losing things that we love, and yes, it's been hard, but there is incredible opportunity for us in our neighborhoods, through our small groups, with our families, to see that movement of the gospel in our city, in our day, like right now. And so as a church, what, what our church would like to do is come alongside you in your neighborhood churches, in your small groups, with your family. We're going to be studying, when we're finished looking at the, the church in Acts, we're going to be studying First Thessalonians. And our training center here in Fayetteville would love to come alongside anyone who wants to learn First Thessalonians deeper and more so that you can be released out into your small groups and neighborhoods and office buildings, whatever that may look like in your world or with your roommates to go take the message of 1 Thessalonians there. And so with that in mind, we're gonna offer a couple different experiences for you through the training center here in Fayetteville to get equipped to take 1 Thessalonians and put it in, in practice in your ministry. We're gonna have an online version and then we're gonna have an in-person version that we're gonna try to, uh, to pull off here at the Fellowship Fayetteville campus. And we're gonna have, you can check the link right here below uh, as you are in the chat. Just, ch just check on that link. We'll, that link will also put it up on our website. And so, if you just want to get equipped in 1 Thessalonians for your ministry, we would love to partner with you in doing that. Let's pray for creativity and new ideas and ways to take the message of Jesus as king, the gospel message that he is the king who loves us and has forgiven us out into our world. Let's get creative. Let's think and dream big. And to that end, we're here this morning to worship Jesus and to celebrate his goodness and his grace here in our world and here in our city and let's pray. Let's do just that. Join me as we pray. 
Well, Jesus, this morning is all about you, and we are all over Fayetteville proclaiming that there is a Lord, and there is a King, and there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus, and he's better than all the things that this world might offer us. And he gives forgiveness, and he gives salvation, and he gives freedom. Man, what a message. And so as we turn now just to celebrate that and sing to you and look at the early church and how they did this in this incredible place called Antioch, would you inspire us and motivate us and push us here in our world, in our city, in our day to take that message out into our world? And we'll ask this Jesus in your name. Amen. Fellowship, good morning. Good morning. So glad to be with you guys. Uh, and if wherever you are, whether you're at your home, by yourself, whether with your roommates, with a group of friends, or your community, we pray this morning that you would engage with us, that you would sing with us, and that you would praise our Savior, our good Father. Sing this with us. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will. same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all Joy when my heart is heavy in all my 
in these times of trouble, times of hardship, and even times of persecution. I know that I can trust you. You are faithful to keep your promises. You understand what it feels like to be persecuted, mocked, and suffered for the sake of the gospel. Don't let me idolize my comfort. Never let me put my comfort above you and your mission. Lord, use me and my church to reach the unreached near and far, that people from every nation would know you. Don't live me, let me live in fear and shame, Lord. You see me, love me, and have invited me into your mission. You have given me all that I need to live for you. So please, lead me by your spirit. Amen. Sing this together this morning. You are here, moving in our midst. You are here, you're moving in our midst. And I worship you, I worship you. You are here, you're working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. And you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So you're the waymaker. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. Touching every heart, and I worship you, and I worship you. You are here, and you're healing every heart. I worship you, and I worship you. And you are here, you're turning lives around and I worship you and I worship you mending every heart you are here you're mending every heart and I worship you Stop, oh, and you are. 
Father, we're so grateful to be able to praise your name, to sing about your great faithfulness, to 
fulfill your promises to your people over and over and over, Lord. God, as we talk about the nations, the world outside of our own walls, God, I pray that we would have a heart for others, that we would have a heart for people besides our own. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Uh, Clark here with you in this uh, format, and we're so excited that you've chosen to worship with us uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 30. And I would like to remind you again that if you're following along through our Clarity 2020 series, you can find everything you need to know for family devotions, everything you need to know for uh, just weekly devotional material as well. And uh, that's available for you at clarity2020.org, or you can pick up a hard copy here um, at Fellowship as well. And so um, just so you know, um, as we've worked through Clarity uh, 2020 this summer, we've taken a look at uh, the theology of Jesus and who he is. We're trying to see him more clearly in 2020. Um, And now we find ourselves in a six-week series looking at some cities in the book of Acts and what happens when the gospel transforms a city from the inside out. And we begin to see the fruit of the gospel transform people, and we begin to see um, the fruit of the gospel transform a a city. And today, we see a major gospel breakthrough as a city that is reached, if you will, now turns outward and becomes a launching pad of sorts. And so that's where we're at in our series today. Um, There's been significant breakthroughs in the course of human history that have propelled our culture, some for good and some for bad. Um, The most rudimentary definition of breakthrough is this idea. It's an offensive military term. It simply means to break through or push beyond a defensive line. It's an act or instance of moving through an obstacle, a sudden advance in knowledge or technique. Or the way we most often use it is a person's first notable success. Uh, An actor or actress, they have a breakthrough role. Uh, Someone breaks through in business, their first notable success. Consider some of these breakthroughs in the course of history and culture. The wheel, the printing press, uh, electricity, penicillin, the assembly line, the internet, the personal computer, the smartphone, stem cell research. Or to get more personal, if you're a parent out this, there this morning, consider the breakthrough of coming down the stairs, rounding the corner, and you see a teenager loading the dishwasher. It's a breakthrough as a parent. This thing's actually working. Or you catch siblings sharing voluntarily. It's red lobster biscuits for everybody. In that moment, it's, we've got a breakthrough. We've got a parenting breakthrough. Or in marriage, um, for the guys that are watching uh, this morning, did you know that if you would just listen, if we would just listen, that would be a marital breakthrough. I know when Pam and I were dating, I had a breakthrough in our relationship when I was sitting in a McDonald's uh, with a couple that was doing pre-marriage counseling with us. And uh, 
it was Pam and the two counselors and then me. And it hit me that I'd been seeing our relationship through the lens of me, not we. It was a major breakthrough for me in the context of our relationship. And many of you have experienced personal breakthroughs as God has granted you repentance in areas of sin in your life. And he's given you a new lease on life, a new perspective. They were breakthroughs over different sins. And today we're going to see a gospel breakthrough. We're going to see the gospel breakthrough into the uttermost parts of the earth as God promised, um, as Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, that the gospel would move its way out into the uttermost parts of the world. And we're going to see that happen in a city called Antioch, where now these Gentile Greeks have access to the gospel. And the gospel is no longer confined to just a message for the Jews. Uh, But now they were blessed to be a light unto the nations. And so as we get started, we plan to use the word gospel to illustrate our four different movements as we work through our passage this morning. And so in doing so, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of what the word gospel means, because we're going to use it to describe these four things this morning. Gospel proclamation, gospel disciple-making, gospel generosity, and gospel multiplication. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 to find our definition, verses 1 through 5. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And this is the gospel message, the core of everything we bank our belief on. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. It's the core rudimentary idea of the gospel. That's the message that Jesus died in our place for our sins. For someone such as me, a sinner, which Paul says he was the foremost or the chief. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That message of Jesus dying and being raised to life. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In the gospel, God was perfectly just to both judge sin and forgive sin. This message is not just wrapped up in the work of the God-man, Jesus Christ. It's, It's not just a message of content but it also now has become our mission, and we're going to see this play out in our text today. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses Against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we're going to see two men who do that in the city of Antioch this morning. And in verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel is a man, a message, and a mission, and it's wrapped up in the person and work of Jesus. And so let's see how this breakthrough happens. Uh, Chapter 11, we'll pick it up in verse 19. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, which, by the way, much of the early church growth happened because of persecution. And in this specific case, Jews all around the known world at the time, they scattered after Stephen's death. It says they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. That's north, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. And it was customary for them to first take the gospel to the Jews because the message of the gospel and the promise of Messiah were to God's people who were held captive by the law. It was their Messiah. So they would preach to the Jews first. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists also. Now these Hellenists were uh, Greek-speaking Jews. They'd been assimilated, if you will, into uh, Greek culture. And they were preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Antioch, a city, a dark place. I've often thought about it being much like if you would take maybe Vegas and then uh, Bourbon Street and Amsterdam and just drop those three cities in New York City or Chicago or L.A. And you got a, a microcosm of what Antioch would have been like. It stood on the river Orontes about 250 miles north of Jerusalem. It was a major crossroads and trading center a bustling business experience, crowded streets, markets, traders, travelers. Um, It was home to a ton of pagan temples that engaged in what they called temple prostitution. They actually offered offerings of worship through prostitution to pagan gods. It was a dark place. It was notorious as a haven for pleasure seekers. Even one Roman scholar said this, the sewage of the Syrian Orontes, which was the river, has for long been discharged into the Tiber. And by this he meant that Antioch was so dark, it was so wicked that the corruption was impacting Rome some 1,300 miles west of there. Another scholar and commentator says this, it seems incredible, but none the less, it is true that it was in a city like Antioch that Christianity took the great stride forward to becoming the religion of the world. We have only to think of that to discover, now listen to this, that there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. And so for those of us here in Fayetteville uh, this morning, maybe you feel as though the world is coming apart at the seams morally, and you feel that in our own city as you read the headlines and you experience the brokenness and the fallenness of the world and i want to propose to you that the gospel makes our city not a hopeless situation but an opportunity for the gospel to launch his good news to all the nations of the world 
And so they preached the Lord Jesus there at the end of 20. Now, this is significant because in Rome, Caesar, the Caesar would have been Lord. And even though they submitted to the authority of pagan practices and pagan authorities, even though they submitted to those things, uh, they were also caught up in a, a place of, of plurality of gods, little g gods, idols, if you will. And they would have worshiped many different gods along with maintaining that Caesar was the Lord. And so for them to recognize that Jesus was Lord was a significant step forward, a walking away from old practices and a surrender to the one true God in Jesus Christ whom God has sent. It would have been a difficult concept to believe. But what I want us to take away here in this first little section here is that the gospel is now going multicultural and multi-ethnic. This specific instant started this uh, pivot where the gospel would now turn west out of Antioch and begin to go after pagan nations, uh, both Hellenist Jews, but also both pagan Gentiles. And we would become one family in this thing called the church. It's a reminder to me that the gospel is the restorative healing bomb to all things inside the church related to ethnic and racial hatred. I know when uh, my kids were young, we used to receive um, uh, hard copy newsletters in the mail of global workers. Uh, some of them we financially supported and some of them were friends of ours. And we would keep a globe near the edge of the table. And uh, during dinner time, um, we would read the newsletter, we would look at the prayer request, and then we would find out on the globe where they lived. And in that moment, we could pray for them, but it was also an opportunity for me to cast vision to my next generation, my home, that the gospel is not just a gospel for the Jews, but it's a gospel for all the nations of the world. And then sometimes at bedtime, uh, we'd play spin the globe, and I'd have them spin it and just stop it anywhere in the world and uh, we would use a resource like joshuaproject.net, which is an amazing resource on the web, um, Operation World. And we would read a few sentences and prayer requests about a specific ethnic group or culture in the world. And we would pray for the world. And here in Antioch, we begin to see the gospel become multi-ethnic. Uh, the gospel mission uh, go multi Cultural, And then what happens is we have an opportunity now that many who believed were now following Jesus and they need to be trained and equipped and followed up. And we have this in this next scene, gospel disciple making going on. We'll pick it up in 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And it says that Barnabas exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man. It's an amazing description of what a gospel man looks like. Rarely are these words ever used in scripture of someone, for he was a good man. What made him good? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by a power outside of himself. The third person of the Trinity was in charge of him and of faith. Barnabas was a man who took God at his word and he acted on it. He was full of faith. And we see here um, that he was a 
team man. It says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And then in 25, it says, Barnabas went to Tarsus, which is probably about 50 miles west of Antioch, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, we've got gospel discipleship going on. For a whole year, they met with the church, and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And so we have a gospel man, a team man, and he brings Saul into the story. And these disciples, and by the way, the, the word disciple just simply means learner or follower. And in the Great Commission, we're commanded to make disciples. Literally means to turn men and women into followers of Jesus. And here, these disciples were first called Christians. And here, um, it's most likely a derogatory term. You see, this, uh, this word Christian is only used three times in the scriptures. It was uh, most likely given to them uh, by the pagan Romans as a derogatory term. They, they kind of, uh, in a condescending way, look down on them. It literally means the party of Christ. Uh, you people, uh, the party of Christ. Uh, later in Paul's interaction with King Agrippa, he looks down at Paul and says, you think you can convince me to be a Christian, to be one of the party of Christ? Uh, somewhat condescending and derogatory. Later, the martyrs would own the term, and it would become a badge of honor, and they would claim, I am a Christian. But what I want us to understand this morning, Fellowship Fayetteville, in gospel disciple-making, God's method for reaching the world with the good news of the gospel has always been men and women. Men and women empowered by God's Spirit, equipped with God's Word. That's what they were teaching them. They were taking the teachings of Jesus and showing how he was the fulfillment of the law. And for a year, they taught them the truths of the Scriptures. They are God's method to reach the world, full of faith. Saul and Barnabas, they took God at his word and acted on it. Are you a Barnabas this morning? Are you engaged in active gospel disciple making? Well, sooner or later, those who are in Christ and those who have been captivated by the mission of Christ, eventually, God gets a hold of our money. God gets a hold of our checkbook. In these days, it says in verse 27, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up, foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius, a real time, a real place in history. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability. Remember, they're about probably a year old in the Lord here. And they're making judgment calls and decisions based on their compassion for others who aren't like them to do what? To send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And as a grace gift, it says they did so and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And eventually the gospel gets a hold of our checking account. These Gentiles, early on, they see themselves united in this new family of faith. Um, they begin to see this one spiritual family as someone that they feel responsibility for to take care of. Uh, these Hellenist Jews who 
um, were Greek looking. Uh, the gospels come alive to them if they've seen this is our Messiah. Uh, they act in generosity and they give according to their ability. It's a great reminder that the amount is not at the heart of giving, but it's based on one's means. And if you have your Bibles with you, um, out to the side in the margins, I want you to write two passages of Scripture out. I want you to look at those later. It's just about everything you need to know about what New Testament giving looks like um, in the New Testament church. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 15, and then 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. And you'll get a snapshot on what New Testament giving and generosity looks like. And I want to take this time to also say thank you to Fellowship Fayetteville for all that you've done uh, to make this church come alive these last five months as we've uh, gone into uncharted waters and then we see this, hop over two chapters, and we'll wrap it up here in this little text here. Acts chapter 13, 1 to 4. He says this, there were in, uh, Now there were in the church of, at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Cyrene Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit... Said, said this, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Spirit, they went to um, Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And now the gospel, there's a breakthrough. It now has moved out of Jerusalem, out of Judea, Samaria, and is now turning to the uttermost parts of the known world. It's the very promise that Jesus gave us in Acts 1.8, and it's happening before our very eyes here. And it's moving west, and it's beginning to multiply, and that's why we have our New Testament letters that we do. They're letters written back to the churches that were planted because of this pivot that happened, this breakthrough that happened in the local church. And I wanted to close our time together this morning with a reminder of what's happening in, to, in, in our church today, it, what, what I call our own modern-day Barnabas and Saul's. Their names are Logan and Emily, and I can only share their first names because they're preparing the launch to a country that's hostile um, to the gospel, and out of respect for them, they asked me to, um, keep, uh, to keep their last name and their, uh, the place they're going uh, quiet right now. But we're getting ready to partner with them and launch them to a place where the gospel is not known. And so I asked them a couple of questions, and they wanted me to thank you for some very specific things in our partnership with them. I said, why would you ever consider moving across the ocean to be global workers? And they said this, we're moving across the world first and foremost because we desire God to be worshipped among all language groups. God is absolutely worthy of having all language groups in the world trust in the work of his son and honor them, honor him with their lives. It is clear from God's word that he's entrusted to us this task of taking the gospel to all people groups. And we're compelled to move our family because we know there's 3,100 distinct language groups. Now listen to this, Fellowship Fayetteville. 
that have no access to the gospel, no local church, they don't have God's word or friend that could tell them about the work of Christ. And that's ultimately why they're choosing to move. And so they've been preparing to launch for the last three or four years. Uh, They've worked to pay off college debt. They plugged into a local college ministry, which many of you support, whether it be International Student Christian Association or Crew. They plugged into the work of student mobilization. And your giving produced fruit in their lives. And they say this, we firmly believe that if we were not engaging and making disciples here in our own language, we should not consider ourselves prepared to do that in different context. And they wanted to say thank you to fellowship for these specific things and your partnership. Years ago, a church leader in the Care and Counseling Center came alongside them and prepared them for marriage through marriage counseling. They also went through the merge marriage class that Finley Robinson helps facilitate here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Uh, Through the training center, they took several courses that helped them be equipped to have a holistic and a healthy marriage and a healthy look at theology and doctrine. Uh, One of our own elders here at Fellowship Fayetteville invited them to live with them in their home and come around side of them and bring them into their family for several months in their home. There were many staff members that helped them through uh, significant decisions. Uh, Countless fellowship members, they say, have prayed with us, given, and been encouraging. And they specifically said this, through your giving to the gift, which is our end-of-the-year initiative, um, they were able to experience a a one-year away in another country being trained in learning how to be an effective global worker. And they wanted me to say thank you for that. And what I want to share with you this morning, Fellowship Fayetteville, is that just as Antioch was never the end of the mission, it was the beginning of the next, so is Fayetteville. We desire to see all people in Fayetteville transform with the message of the gospel so that our city would be a launching pad to places where Jesus is not known and his name is not famous as of now. And so I would ask any of you watching this morning, who's our next Logan and Emily? Who's our next Barnabas and Saul? You've been reached here in Fayetteville with the good news of Jesus. And you sense that God has something bigger than where you're at right now. It may be across the street. It may be at the university as you engage our international neighbors. It may be someone of another ethnic group in our community. Could it be that God's pressed on your heart to raise you up to go to where Jesus is not known? You see, when the gospel is proclaimed, when disciples are made, when generosity takes root, gospel multiplication happens. Before I pray, I want to just remind you of just a simple opportunity here in Fayetteville over the next couple of weeks. Um, If you will just email to this email address, iscafreeyardsale at gmail.com. It'll connect you with Kevin and Cynthia Smith, and they do a great job being hospitable to our international neighbors. And if you have furniture that you'd like to donate and give to them, they're going to connect that furniture with a home, and we're going to be a blessing to our international neighbors. And so see that as an opportunity for application. 
is we look to the nations and we see God do a mighty work, not just in our city, but in the world. And so would you pray with me? Father, we're super grateful for the goodness that is the good news of the gospel. Thank you so much for um, allowing the gospel to continue to move west. And it's, it made its way to a little room in Bryan, Arkansas, some 26 years ago. And the gospel light came on for me. Thank you that someone took responsibility to share that good news with me. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us courage to be a light into the nations in our city. And God, that you would use Fayetteville to be a sending base to see the remaining 3,100 language groups of the world hear the good news of Jesus. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this chorus. And I will sing. And I will sing of all you've done. And I'll remember how far you've carried me from beginning until the end. You are faithful, faithful. And I will sing. And I will sing of all you've done. And I'll remember how far you've carried me from beginning until the end. You are faithful, faithful to the end. Fellowship. We love you guys, and we're so glad that you're able to worship with us this morning. We love you guys. Have a good rest of your week.